Mike, great to meet you, man. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for being here. Hey, Ethan. It's good to see you, man. Thanks for having me. You got it. And, you know, we always like to get the show started with a little bit of background on who you are, how you got to be doing what you're doing at the current moment. Sure. Yeah. So I uh, uh, live here in Denver, Colorado. I was born up the road in Casper, Wyoming. My dad used to work in the oil field. Uh, moved up to Alaska at the age of two. Lived there until I was about the age of six. Um, my dad lost his job in the bus to 86, and we went like full Beverly Hillbillies. Moved all our stuff into a, a school bus and moved to Idaho. Um and, uh, and he became a teacher. My mom was a, has been a nurse the whole time. Um, and the reason we moved to Idaho is because my grandfather was a forester who had retired to the area. Um, and so I spent a lot of time in the woods kind of hiking around with him. Uh, in 1989, when I was nine years old, a, a big wildfire happened called the Loman Fire and it put up a mushroom cloud. Uh, and that was just really memorable as a child of the Cold War uh, to see a mushroom cloud. And I asked my grandfather what's going on. And he said, well, fire is part of the landscape and don't worry about it. It'll regrow or somebody will replant it. And I said, okay, what do I know? I'm nine, you know, so great. Uh, didn't really think about it. Um, uh, ended up uh, uh, after graduation from high school there in Boise, uh, went to the, the, the U.S. Naval Academy where I studied uh, systems engineering with kind of a focus on environmental engineering. Um, that background of kind of living and growing up in like these fairly, you know, rural, you know, outdoorsy spaces, uh, you know, gave me like a deep appreciation for the environment. And so I did it there. And then I also did it. Um, I essentially, I came close to double majoring in political science um, uh, while I was there. And I wrote most of my papers around environmental policy. Uh, weirdly enough, including my uh, honors thesis around the Clean Air Act amendments of 1990, uh, which were some of the precursors to the carbon markets. Uh, fast forward a couple of years. I, after I graduated from the academy, I uh, was flying F-18s for the U.S. Navy uh, and, and had like what a lot of, a lot of people kind of consider to be a dream career, uh, you know, fighter pilot flying off aircraft carriers. And um, <clears throat> I got married in 2010. And shortly thereafter, I brought my wife to Idaho to show where I'd grown up. And we drove by the Loman fire, that fire that happened when I was nine. It was 22 years after the fact. It wasn't coming back. And that caused me to uh, to take a really hard turn out of the Navy. I had a couple more years left on my hitch, but I decided I wanted to go figure out like what was going on there and how I could be part of the solution. Um, so, uh, that background in, uh, understanding about like early carbon markets, um, I got out of the Navy, spent the first six months in the Denver public library, taught myself everything I could about, uh, climate change, carbon markets, uh, business forestry. Um, and I started my first company called Renew West. Uh, Renew West was about, uh, originally was uh, about post-fire reforestation, leveraging carbon markets in order to achieve that. Um, and it's grown into um, a, uh, you know, more broadly, a natural and working lands company that affect, that can, you can, how you can leverage land to tackle climate change. Um, was very fortunate to have my very good friend, uh, John Cleland. He joined me as a co-founder at Renew West. Um, and, uh, you know, he was my ride or die. We worked really hard together. Along the way, developed an expertise in carbon markets and climate policy, was an advisor of the U.S. Climate Alliance. And uh, our big claim to fame at Renew West is the largest carbon reforestation project in U.S. history. Uh, we planted 2 million trees in Northern California. Uh, that finished up on Mother's Day of this year. Wow. Um, and I just couldn't be more proud of that. Um, in uh, the early part of the pandemic, I... Um, developed a, uh, I, uh, had an opportunity about developing, a, uh, what became is my current company acclimate ACLYMATE, 
because I wanted to also be part of the emissions reduction side and to, to bring the experience that I had in carbon markets and climate policy to make it more approachable for the layperson. Um, that was internally a project to Renew West. And then we came to realize that it was actually two separate companies. And so uh, I left Renew West in the extremely capable hands of John. He's the CEO. He's crushing it over there. And I love what they're doing. I'm, I'm still uh, I check in with him a couple of times a week. But uh, now I'm 100% running Acclimate. I'm the CEO of Acclimate. Um, and it is climate management software for small businesses. We help small businesses figure out their footprint, uh, reduce it offset it when it makes sense, um, and then uh, advertise to uh, to their employees and to their consumers uh, the work that they're doing and reporting to, you know, other stakeholders such as uh, supply chains, et cetera. Um, and so it's kind of a one-stop climate solution for small businesses, and we're just really proud of, uh, of what we've built there, too. Um, lucky in, uh, in uh, and I'd obviously be... Um, uh, not doing, you know, uh, service to my co-founder there, uh, William Lupesco, um, who's um, who's been working with me now for about two years on the Acclimate project. And he's the CTO for the company. Um, known him for about six plus years. He and I were um, the same kind of startup circles uh, when he was doing his previous company. Um, COVID was uh, that previous company's loss, but totally my gain. And I, I love working with the guy uh, every day. Mike, that's got to be one of the best introductory background stories I've heard. Like, it just you just put it so so well. It flows right from the beginning and totally makes sense. I just, I, I, don't, I really enjoyed that. <laughs> um, before we kind of get into your company, I'd love to hear kind of what you learned from working, uh, going to the Naval Academy, serving your country, working as a naval. Was you were an, were you an officer, or how does that work? Yep, yep. Uh, so uh, I actually am just about to retire out of the reserves of the rank of a commander. Uh, so an O five in the Navy, lieutenant colonel in the Army. Um, uh, left active duty as a lieutenant commander. Um, so an O four. Um, so yeah. Uh, so uh, I've been uh, doing that. You know, one of the I think the big things that you learn out of military service is about, um, and especially within the Navy, is is about just like sometimes you don't have all the answers and you just got to go figure it out. Uh, they have like a whole thing that they call message to Garcia, uh, which is this apocryphal story about a, a guy during the Spanish American war. But the general idea is, is like, you're smart, you've got authority, go figure it out and and get the job done. And I think that is just enormous for an entrepreneur because you never really know what the heck you're doing. Um, it's always something new and you have to go learn and figure it out and get the resources or the knowledge somewhere and then and, and go. Um, so I think there's a component of that. <clears throat> I think that there's a component of um, dealing with people um, and about like, uh, there are some officers that don't listen to their junior enlisted. Uh, they don't last uh, all that long um, because there's a lot of people that know a lot of things that you don't. And so making sure that you build this this organization where people can, uh, can get information up and down the chain uh, appropriately. Um, I try to build my organizations a little bit flatter than than uh, the military. Um, there's a lot of reasons uh, why the military is a little more hierarchical than than elsewhere, but um, but still like that empowering like uh, like somebody that's junior to you to go figure out that problem, go work on it. Like I think that's really important. Um, and then the last thing I would say is, is there's a certain degree of risk tolerance. Um, you know, uh, startups are stressful. They're a lot of work. Um, especially in the climate space when I started, like they weren't obvious. Um, so you just kind of have to believe in the mission and get the, and know that it's there. Um, the nice part about startups is you're generally not in physical danger. 
Um, so, uh, so that helps, but just knowing that you can get through hard things, uh, I think really helps. Um, and so being a little bit more comfortable with risk, being a little bit more comfortable with the exposure and going and get it. Have you ever put any thought into the, uh, connection between your desire to serve the country in relation to your desire to kind of serve the environment and the global community overall? Um, I think service is just, it brings a lot of meaning. Um, you know, when, uh, you know, they talk about like, like at your funeral, like people aren't going to talk about like what you did at work they're going to talk about how like you treated your family. And I think that, um, I think that's something that needs to be kind of, uh, you know, first in your mind as, as, as somebody, you know, growing is like, how do you treat the people around you? How do they, you know, do they know that you they love you? But I don't think that's entirely true um, about the work part. I think that there are people that talk that we remember um, and most of the time we remember them because they gave something of themselves to others, you know, and I think that brings a lot of meaning to life, uh, broadly. Um, and, uh, you know, that it's, it's a little bit of a Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right. Which is like, you have to, you know, deal with your own basic needs and then you move up to kind of like your more emotional needs and the folks that are like in the emotional needs, like, you know, your family and the people that are closest to you, you have to take care of them first. But then kind of the next step up on that, that part there is, is about like the, the folks around you. Um, and if you're dealing, if you're taking care of them too, you're, that's going to bring you a lot of like satisfaction with, uh, you know, a life well lived. Yep. You match my worldview almost exactly. Uh, I really appreciate that. So when it comes to acclimate, you're specifically offering carbon accounting services and then advisory on how to decarbonize. Is that correct? Yeah. So the software is, uh, it's uh, free to use. You, um, you know, one of the things that we learned with Acclimate is that a lot of the data that we need for carbon accounting already exists. Um, and so uh, uh, we'll help you onboard, you know, walk you through the process of how to, to get in, make, you know, it can feel a little overwhelming at first. And so you know, we really value kind of get providing you with a little bit of a human touch where you can see like, okay, this stuff feels a little all over the top. But once you see it, like, actually, it's really not that big of a deal. Um, and then we connect up to those data sources. A big chunk of that is your financial accounting uh, if you're a small business. And so we have a free integration with QuickBooks where we'll pull in your financial information, sort through it, assign a carbon value to most of your transactions that are relevant. Um, and you can either accept that uh, that, that carbon calculation, or you can reject it, or you can give us more information, um, based upon the quality of the data that we have and, and all the rest of it. Um, we give, uh, we have to make conservative calculations, you know, you give us a little bit more calculation or a little bit more data. We'll make a more precise calculation and give you that better data. Um, so, you know, that's pretty valuable. Um, there are, you know, little pieces of that, like around the web, you could probably go find like a place to calculate your individual flights footprint, right? But this is all consolidated in one central accounting place. Um, and that means that we have the ability to also provide you a way to look at that data, right? So you can tag, you know, what employee took this flight, or uh, we also have um, a survey that we ask you to send out to your, your employees that takes them three minutes and it's things that they know, where do they work? How do they get there? How often do they go? That includes, you know, mass transit, biking, driving, whatever the case may be, home office emissions. And so we can build kind of a behavioral profile for how that employee interacts with your company. And then we can build a, a, a profile for your company as a whole. And so then we, in our analytics page, you can actually see where your emissions are coming from by the employee, by the trip, by the office, 
You can see down to individual emissions events. It's just, and all of that is free. And that's all included in the software because one of the things that we care very strongly about, uh, the two things that we care very strongly about are one is, is that in order to act on the climate, you shouldn't have to know anything other than you want to do something about it. And two is, is that um, uh, this shouldn't take you a lot of time. You're a small business, you're busy. And we want this to be something that you get done in about five to 10 minutes a month. And then all the information is displayed to you in a way where you can actually act and reduce your footprint without even having to spend a dime. Off the top of your head, do you know what the difference in impact, let's focus on the U.S. in particular, on the impact of large multinational, or I guess multinational, I think it could still be U.S.-based, large corporations, let's say 150 people or over, versus the carbon impact of the community of small and medium businesses, zero to 150 employees. Do you have any idea who's creating more emissions or anything on that on that front? Yeah, you know, so a lot of times you'll hear people will... Um, well, you know, bandy about like the idea that there's a hundred companies that have 71% of the world's emissions. Okay. Right. And so like, it almost seemed, I hate that quote. Like, I mean, it's true, but it's also false. And the reason I hate it is, is because uh, one is a certain degree of defeatism. And two is, is like the sense of like, that we don't have like some shared responsibility ourselves. Right. Which is like, oh, well, if we just made Exxon go away, everything would be better. But we're their customers. Which, that's right. Right. And so like, what that talks about, like when you see that big quote, is, is actually is, is climate change from a policy perspective is, is just like a super hairy problem because it is a collective action problem where the consequences of your behavior aren't seen for years, right? And so how do you create this community of people that are all acting together in order to create this broad-based problem solution? Um, and so, you know, typically when people think of like emissions, uh, they think of it as like, this is my bubble and that's somebody else's bubble and that's their responsibility and this is mine but that's not true. It's relationships, right? When I, if I buy a ticket on United Airlines to, you know, go visit, you know, a, a loved one. Oh, it was terrible. I was on the flight yesterday. No leg room. Horrible. And yeah, anyway, well, sorry, tangent. <laughs> you know, we can, uh, we can make a, a lot of jokes at the airline's expense and Specifically uh, they United, might deserve it. Whatever. But yeah, well, United too. Anyway, I say United because I'm in Denver and we're a hub for United. Right. Um, but if I was to fly on United, um, <clears throat> whose emissions are those? I don't have the answer. Historically, people would say, well, they're United's emissions. It's their, it's their scope one. They're the ones that are burning the jet fuel. But they're my emissions too, right? Because like I bought the ticket. They won't, they don't fly the airplane without my, my backside in the seat. It's also, it's Shell's emissions. Shell sold them the fuel, right? And so if you divorce any of those responsibilities, you're not really actually addressing the real problem. And so like a big part of like what we do is, is actually how do, how do you interact with others? How do you, your, how does your small business interact with its employees? How does your small business interact with its partners? How does it interact with larger, those multinationals, if you're selling into their supply chains, et cetera, because tracking those emissions and that responsibility is, is kind of a shared effort. And the only way that we really get that is if we're all kind of collectively starting to think about this. And you'll help these companies offset any in, in emission interactions they have their portion of that, or is it not that simple? I like this way of thinking about it though. Yeah. So right now, uh, you know, we'll sell you offsets to offset everything that you account for. Right. And the current line of thinking, um, at this size is, is that, you know, we don't have enough of a network yet for us to be able to track emissions all the way through the network. Right. And so if somebody offsets it here and another company offsets it somewhere else, 
that's great. Right. And one of the things that's been really cool about like small businesses is, is that they don't, they take responsibility for everything that they have a shared responsibility for. Like they don't like create these artificial boundaries that the large multinationals do. Um, and so if the, if the planet has two people that are double offsetting one uh, transaction from both sides, that's great. You know, in the future, when we have like a little bit more of these relationships and we can kind of track these emissions through, we, well, we should have the ability to assign a little bit more responsibility for offsetting more importantly, as help to, you know, assign responsibility for reduction. Right. Well, I like that idea. And I've talked several times in this show about uh, how I think uh, large corporations in particular should not just be stopping at net zero, they should be going carbon negative. But I like that idea that if everyone's taking responsibility, we could essentially be at least a little bit negative. If all three of these parties, me for flying yesterday, I offset my, 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 uh, my seat, United offsets their, their emissions and then shell offsets, or it doesn't even have to be offset decarbonize. I guess in, in this case it's offset because the, the emissions have been consumed already. Um, then we could, we could actually have a net positive impact and actually act to draw down co2 i had never thought about that that's that's very interesting um on the top of my mind is why did you as a business person decide to focus specifically on small and medium-sized businesses with your model um so a couple of reasons uh the first one was is that um so when i was doing my advisory work for the u.s climate alliance there was i was in a room full of super smart people that really cared about climate right um and uh a lot of them were having a hard time understanding like the ins and outs of carbon markets. Um, and they might understand, um, you know, there was also some, some geniuses in the room that really like actually some of them who had designed the carbon markets in California, for example. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, but for some of those folks that were a little bit more new to the table and were having to like, were kind of feeling like they had to like learn this stuff, uh, pretty quickly. It was frustrating to me because we had kind of created a system where, uh, even smart people that care about it, like we're having to spend a lot of time learning about it. And we weren't creating a system where if it's a collective action problem where a lot of people have to act together, like we have to create a system for all those people. And frankly, nobody, unless you're getting paid to do this, you don't have, or you're an absolute like, you know, lover of climate policy, like people like you and me, like the vast majority of the world, like they care about climate, but they don't have the time to do this, mm -hmm. right? They've got, you know, kids' soccer games and things to deal with. So I wanted to make that easy. Um, and I saw that there was a, like a key point, uh, like in small business that that was a problem for them if they wanted to deal with it. So this is a problem I could solve for them. That was like really important to me. The other part is, is like small businesses are a huge chunk of the U S economy. They're 44% of the U S GDP. They're almost half of the U S workforce. And so if you want to reach out and touch a lot of people, there's a real opportunity in small businesses to go ahead and to build out this network to say like, you know, like, even though like, you know, it may only be like five employees at a time, like it's such a huge chunk of the U.S. economy that like you can actually move a lot of the U.S. economy. You can change decisions and behaviors uh, by helping them with their accounting and more importantly, helping them with uh, the solutions on how to decarbonize. Who would you say is your your ideal climate and a client and how do you go about finding them? Sure. Um, you know, so we typically, uh, you know, we can handle uh, clients of, of you know, a variety of different sizes. We have one right now that actually has like 5,000 employees, which is not a small business by any stretch, right? But they have a series of different stores, each store with about 40 people, right? So we can handle them, right? You know, so that would be pretty cool. Um, we have, uh, but you know, we have solopreneurs, we have individuals as well. And the software is designed to be like really turnkey for those folks, like get in, get it, get it done and get out. I'm going to check it out. 
Yeah, I'd love to have you on the the, the you know on the the app, man, and and you know be happy to kind of show 100%. you around there or any of your customers. Yeah, um, uh, or podcast listeners, I guess. Um, you know, the thing I would also say here is, um, you know, as far as the uh, kind of like a, uh, you know, the people that we are searching for right now, a lot of times they've kind of identified themselves as somebody that cares about the environment, sustainability, climate or even just more broadly, like just good business practices. Um, and so like right now we've been doing a lot of going out to, uh, you know, conveners like you on this podcast or going out to like uh, here in Denver, uh, an outfit called Good Business Colorado and talking to them and sharing kind of like what the solution that we have. And what's been really cool is, is one, uh, uh, everywhere we go, everybody loves us, right? Like they're like, wow, that's really neat. We're interested. Can we get signed up? You're included. And then two is um, we're the first person that's ever talked to them about it which again, validates the assumption for me, which is, is like, this is a problem that small businesses had. Nobody wanted to solve it for them. This is what we wanted to do. And so I'm, I'm glad that we, you know, we found this community of people that really uh, need our help and we're happy to help them. When you're speaking to them, what do you find is, is motivating these companies to pursue this effort? If it's not mandated, why do they want to decarbonize? Um, there's a variety of things. Um, so some of them I would say are kind of like you, right? Uh, which is, is that like they have like a, a deep personal interest. Um, and one of the things that's really cool about like small businesses, um, and maybe some of your listeners uh, appreciate this and some of our have maybe not have thought of it. You have, as a small business owner, you have an outsized influence on the world around you much more than, you know, other people. You get to actually change things. You have, you have, you have the power to change things. You make decisions for your employees that they have to deal with, you know, whether they come to the office, how often they come to the office, you know, where that office is located and can they use mass transit or not? You have, you have the ability to make, have a much larger impact on the climate than your average American. Um, so we see some folks like that. Um, we see some that, uh, if you're dealing with the climate generation, um, millennials and Gen Z are incredibly engaged on this, uh, three out of 10 of the climate generation in the last 12 months, according to Pew research, uh, attended a protest, gave money to a charity or their time or wrote a politician about climate. Like that's not casual. Like I'm posting about it on, on social media. Like this is them showing up and doing the work. And so if you uh, have a lot of employees that are in that demographic um, or selling it to a lot of people in that demographic, you're going to want to be able to tell them the story about how you care about climate too. And then for some of our customers, they're feeling the heat from up, from up top. Um, if they sell into a supply chains, if they have to acquire, you know, or borrow money um, or uh, from ESG focused like banks or lending institutions or investors, those folks now all have like legal requirements, according to the SEC, to be reporting their carbon accounting. And so knowing what your footprint is not a nice to have, it's a need to have if you want to do business in that space. Very good. So what does your process look like if I were to engage you right now to, to do my, my, I don't know what you call it, my offsetting, my carbon accounting, what would it look like from kind of start to finish? Sure. Yeah. So you'd go to acclimate.com and there's a place for you to uh, either uh, sign into the software directly um, or you, and this is what I would recommend you do is, is that you actually uh, sign up for a, uh, an onboarding session with, uh, with Travis, who's our dedicated customer uh, success guy. Uh, no pressure on that at all. Um, like I said, it's free software. If you don't buy offsets, okay. Um, 
Travis is a little like bearded ray of sunshine. Like he's the the, the, the friendliest person you'll ever meet, and he loves loves helping people. Must be in Colorado um, too. So, yeah, he's the right guy for this job. I love him. <laughs> um, so, um, anyways, so he'll walk you through. Take you about twenty minutes. You know, he'll ask you to like show up with a couple of things. You know, square footage of your office and a couple of you know like stuff that you can find, but you may not totally have at your fingertips all the time. Show up with it. He'll help you get onboarded. Um, you could do it without him, but he'll you know he'll it'll take you the same amount of time, and he'll uh, it'll be more fun with him. Um, get you onboarded. You'll figure out your footprint. Um, and, uh, you know, in about five to 10 minutes, uh, you'll know where your footprint is and then you'll be able to go into our offset marketplace. We have uh, last count 61 different offset projects that are listed on there all across the United States, Canada, and five other continents. Um, so a wide variety of selection there and you find the one that matters the most to you, uh, a couple of clicks, you buy the offsets, you're done. Footprints, uh, is taken care of, uh, you earn a certification. Uh, that you can put onto your social media, your um, um, you can put onto your website. We have people that can help you with that. Um, and there's also a, uh, uh, you know, we're starting to explore the ability to actually, if you want to put this on your packaging or on some of your, your materials, like your pamphlets, we have a QR code uh, creator that we can help you with. And you can put your Acclimate Climate Leader certification in a QR code on, uh, you know, your, your, your packaged good or your pamphlet. And people can see like, they don't need to trust that that Ethan is the one that's doing the offsets. They can just go like take their phone, look at it, and be like, "Oh yeah, cool. This is Ethan's page over here on Acclimate Climate Leader. These are the offsets he bought. Here's the story of it. Like, here's how long he's been doing it. Ethan's awesome. Acclimate's awesome. Let's all work together." I love it, man. No, I, that's, so that's the process. It shouldn't take you, you know, very long at all. No, I really love it. I see no reason why everyone wouldn't couldn't do that. Uh, I'm wondering if you have any, if you've had any feedback about people having to look through 61 different projects. Because I'll tell you this: with my own business, I have a list of nonprofits that clients can choose from to make their donation after we close. And I closed the property two weeks ago, and my clients are still like looking through all the stuff, trying to figure out what, or, or not looking and very busy with their lives, trying to figure out what to do. So how do you, do you provide any guidance for helping people pick projects or has that ever come up as an issue? Uh, so uh, low key in the background, uh, one of the things that we know is that people tend to like projects that are closest to them. Mm. Um, and so we show them the projects that are closest to them by geography. Um, and so those are displayed right up top. That's cool. Um, one of the things that we want, are uh, planning to build out is just that actually, which is like, uh, is more of a kind of like a, like an onboarding survey of like, what matters most to you? What matters most to your company? You know, is it, you know, stories around environmental justice? Is it the developing world? Is it around, you know, reforestation or avoided emissions or, you know, what matters to you? And then we can help to kind of display the offset projects and help rank them for you. Cool. Does your comp company differ in any ways from other like car carbon accounting services in any way, like major way you can think of? Uh, yeah, I would say we are the only purpose built from the ground up small business solution in the United States. We have competitors. Um, there are a ton of people throwing a ton of money at the very large companies out there. Um, I mean, huge amounts of money. Um, there are some that are, have talked about like kind of working in the small business space, but it's, uh, um, um, you know, they, they aren't building it with a small business in mind. Like they're actually thinking about it from like, I was a corporate sustainability person for a fortune 500. So now I'm going to try to make, and that's not how small businesses work. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, uh, I happily will put my software up against anybody's out there. Um, and you know, 
it's we're climate accounting for the rest of us. We're we're you know we're the ones that make it easy for you. I feel like it's easy already. I want to be the rest of us. I'm I'm def- I'm checking it out, man. I got I got to set a reminder as soon as we get off this podcast to check it out. I love it, man. Let's get you going. Totally. Do you have any interest in steering clients beyond carbon neutrality to actually become carbon negative and take care of these legacy emissions at all? Is that ever something that had occurred to you? Um, so a lot of our customers kind of are already doing that on their own, which is like super cool. That'll be me. Right? Like you'll see people that'll be like, uh, you know, I'm not just going to buy offsets moving forward. I'm actually going to buy back. Um, we've had a couple of clients go as for far back as four years back. Dope. Like they're like, nope, wipe that out. Um, you know, and as obviously as a guy that sells offsets, like, you know, that's great. Uh, but I haven't, I haven't been pushing it. Um, it's just like, it's really cool to see people that want to do that. Right. Um, you know, uh, there's a little bit of a mindset shift that we were trying to promote inside of the software. So historically businesses like, and I think a lot of this was driven by how difficult the whole process was, was like, I want to deal with my climate footprint. Uh, okay. I'll go to this online calculator. It'll tell me kind of what happened over the last year. I'll buy some offsets. Um, okay, that's great. Um, now, now what do I do? And like, and they don't have like, a, so then they have to go like write a blog article or something and tell about like what they were doing. It was just a real pain, you know. Maybe you didn't have the offset project you love, but you didn't want to go somewhere else. The calculator didn't really give you all that much detail. It was just, it just didn't work. What we're trying to do is is to change that and to say this is something that you need to actively manage and continue. And it's not like a look back over a year and like here's you know your the cost of your sin, pay it up, right? Like that this is actually something that you should you should be budgeting for ahead of time, and that this is kind of a monthly thing that you should be thinking about. And so, in order to get our climate leader certification, you actually have to be in negative territory. You have to have bought off enough offsets that you have more off you've offset more than you've emitted. And the only way that you, for you to maintain your climate leader certification is to continue to monitor, to stay ahead on it, that you essentially what we're creating is an internal price of carbon for your company and that you, we, you should treat offsets as an account that you draw against rather than a debt that you pay back. Um, and so, you know, we want you to be thinking about like that everything that you do has a climate cost, both in a, in emission sense, but also now potentially also in an economic sense. Um, and so uh, in order to to continue to, pr- to participate here, you're going to have to stay in that negative territory. Can you tell me a bit more about how you developed the certification standard? And yeah, just a little bit more on that. Yeah. Um, so uh, right now, um, we have two levels of certification. The first one is just like a, the most basic calculation, kind of like that old fashioned version of like, Tell me how many employees you are, where you work, um, and how uh, what segment of the of industry you're in, and you know we'll tell you like a rough estimation of what your footprint is. You can buy some offsets. Congratulations, here's your your climate leader. One of the things that we see about people is that there needs to be kind of like a, a behavior escalation standard. Of how can we get people to do a little bit of the harder thing? And so we are we offer a higher level of certification called Climate Leader Plus, which is if you give us that five to ten minutes a month. You're doing those calculations, uh, then you uh, then you get that. Um, we um, we believe that uh, for this system to scale and to get the uh, number of people that we need in there, that it has to be a little bit more trustless and transparent. Um, and so, uh, while we're not explicitly like a Web three company and a blockchain and all the rest of that, which is, is that we want to display publicly uh, a certain degree that you can tr- can trust in. Um, and so, for every one of our climate leaders. We create a website for them 
uh, a company website that they can provide that links to their website, links to that QR code and where people can go actually see the offset project that they bought from. Uh, they can see what their emissions, you know, like they can see that. Don't trust me. Trust what you see. Mm-hmm. Cool. Do you measure any like other environmental indicators beyond just like carbon or CO2 equivalents like plastic or paper usage or anything like that? Not yet. Unfortunately, there's a there's a, a bit of a focus that we have to stay, you know, there's kind of a boil the ocean problem when you're a, a startup uh, and dealing with this. And so we're pretty focused on climate. We have had customers that have been asking about these broader uh, environmental uh, things. And so we want to include that um, in the future. Um, so just not yet. The other thing I would say is that all of our offset projects have broader environmental outcomes associated with them. Uh, Qualitatively, you can read about them in the text of that. Um, And one of the things that we're looking to roll out in the near future is is actually uh, kind of a ranking system of those offset projects that helps to tell the story of like uh, their additionality, how big of of an impact do they have on on water, you know, biodiversity, um, and, and then a couple other metrics. And so you should be able to kind of evaluate uh, not just based on the story, but on, on, you know, some independent analyses that are provided by that. No, I think that's great. And that's a very, um, well thought out entrepreneurial response. I mean, if you try juggling too many things, it's just not a good strategy for succeeding in this competitive marketplace. It's, it's tough out there, man. Um, any kind of last thoughts about the role of small businesses and medium business when it comes to decarbonization? I know we spoke about that a bit, but I kind of want to get some, some more of your thoughts on that. Like who are, as, as me and you are, are both small business owners, how, how, how do we feel responsible for kind of pioneering this better, this better world forward? Um, our tagline for Acclimate is to be a climate leader, right? Um, one of the reasons I hate that quote about like the hundred companies, 71% of the emissions is, is that you can make change right now mm-hmm. <clears throat> and you have an outsized influence. And if you bring enough of your friends to the party, you can, you can move things. You know, it's that small determined, you know, band of people. Uh, like it's the only thing that's ever actually changed anything. Um, and so, you know, banding together, bringing, you know, putting, you know, showing that leadership will actually make much more of a difference than you can ever imagine. Um, there's some quotes out there that talk about that, like in, in a public policy realm, if you have, uh, you know, two and a half percent of, um, of, a, of a group of people that are like actively involved in, in trying to push for a policy change, um, it's going to happen. Right. You can be part of that, you know, two and a half percent, you know, we already, there's evidence that there's even more right now, as I told you about, like the climate uh, generation that's doing that activity, show up, do the work, you're going to, you're going to change a lot. And so you can be that leader. Um, and what's awesome is you're going to get rewarded for it. People love it. Like people love good environmental stewards. They love climate, you know, people that, that are doing their part on climate. You're going to make more money as a small business. You're going to be able to sell to more to, to the right people and to more people if you do this sort of stuff, um, you know, and, you know, not to threaten you, but like get on the bus or get run over, right? Like it's coming, you know, there you, you can be the laggard. You can be the one that does it later, but you won't be the leader at that point. You won't get that advantage of being the first mover into the space. And if you don't do it later, you're going to go out of business because this is something that is coming for the entire economy. Um, so you might as well get on early and get it done. Um, and then you can be the hero instead of the goat. Oh, I love, I love that, man. And do you have any final pieces of advice for like individuals, young people like college age or just after who are really passionate about improving the world? I would say, uh, don't lose your optimism. Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on right now. 
and uh, it's going to get worse before it gets better, especially from a climate perspective. Like that we're there. Um, I am uh, on the bleeding edge of the millennials, uh, born in 1980. Cool. Um, and uh, sometimes people call me a zennial, uh, but you know it's a dumb label. <laughs> Um, you know, I, I consider myself like an early millennial. Um, and when I, uh, look at like the generation that I'm a part of and the generation that's come behind, like me, those people are awesome. They're doing good work. They're showing up. Um, they talk about like that certain generate, like generations have behaviors that kind of come in cycles. And, you know, we like to talk a lot about like kind of the greatest generation and how they had to come out of like these really incredibly challenging times. And like they've remade the world into like a safe haven for democracy. Right. And they, you know, like created the systems that like birthed the women's movement and like a lot of other civil rights movements, you know, and I see a lot of parallels to where we're at now. Times are tough. There's a rising climate generation that's going to get it done. And I have all the faith in the world that they can. So don't lose that optimism. Um, it's going to be hard. But the cool part is, is like things are moving. There's like the, the climate tech is just exploding. There are so many jobs that are that are showing up. And you don't have to have any background in climate. You just, again, you just have to care. Show up. There's somebody that needs your talent right now. And they're they're looking for you. Um, so if you're looking to, to be part of it, um, either professionally or not, like somebody needs your help. So go do it. I'll do it, man. And I'll never lose the optimism. It's, it's been a true, it's been a true pleasure, Mike. Thank you so much for your time. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's been great, man. I love, uh, love, uh, love talking about this stuff as you can tell. So, yeah. uh, thanks for having me, Ethan. And, uh, I love everything that you're doing as well with, uh, you know, with your business. Yeah. You're welcome, man. All right, everybody. And we'll see you on the next one. Take it easy. So if you or anyone else you know is looking to buy or sell a home anywhere in the USA and would like to create thousands of dollars in donations without any cost out of pocket, please visit ccrealty.org today.